uh, also I want to say that if you are planning uh, or you know someone who wants to be baptized, uh, Breno obviously and Juliana are not here because her cousin passed away. They had to make a quick trip to Boston. They're flying back today. Uh, he'll be in the office tomorrow. But if you want to be on the list, Doug will take your name today, please. Uh, let's get that jotted down so we can get prepared as we move forward. Hey, if we've got to do baptisms every Sunday, I say fill it up. Fill it up. Fill it up. It's okay. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles. As we get started here, to Romans chapter 12. I'm going to read out of the King James Version, or the New King James Version, excuse me, I know some of y'all just panicked this morning. Verse 9, let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, and cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. Bless and do not curse. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinions. Repay No one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. And if it's possible, married people, that's uh, Pastor Don's edition. As, (laughs) As much as depends on you. You know the Bible says that it's, there's a responsibility that you have to live peaceably. With all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give give place to wrath. In other words, give place to wrath means to, to, to give space away from it. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, your enemy is hungry, feed him. Hey, married people. If, if he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Every wife's like, yeah, it's, it's in the male form there, Pastor Don. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So, Father, bless the reading of the word to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our hearts. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Welcome to Maximizing Our Marriage Part 2. If this is your first time with us or first time listening, I encourage you to go back last week. Uh, last week as we started with tool number one today, we're going to go into tool number two. And before I get started there, I've got some things with me on stage this morning. And I, I just want to point them out. Um, uh, three of them are pretty precious to me. Um, one of them is a Bible. How, mu- how much would you give me the, for this Bible? I mean, it's just, a, it's just a small little leather Bible. Believe it or not, that is Old and New Testament. 
I, I, I used to could read it. This jar is a jar full of 31 notes that my wife wrote about things she appreciates about me. She put them in this jar. <laughs> took her six months to come up with them. And she gave it to me and she said, this month, once a, once a day, there's 31 in here. I want you to pull one thing out so that you're reminded of things that I appreciate about you. It was one of the marriage sermon series assignments. Some of you may remember it. I have kept it. This probably has no value to you personally. This, this is a bottle of sand. How much would you give me for this bottle of sand? Just a bottle of dirt. It's not from Brazil. It's a couple of baseballs up here. How much would you give me for just a regular old baseball? Let me ask you a question as we get started today in part two. Whatever shape your marriage is in this morning, when you think about the things that could enhance it, what comes to mind? Wherever you're at this morning, good, bad, indifferent, struggling, critical, it, do, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm not asking you to focus on the stage you're in. I'm asking you a question that I think anybody can answer. Whatever your marriage is at this morning, what are some things that you could think of that would come to mind that would make it better? That would enhance it some. Because see, that's the point of this series. We're talking about maximizing. We're not, we're not talking about settling. We're not talking about getting to a journey and think, okay, we've arrived and we don't have to do anything else. Mr. Eckert came up to me today. He says it's a great time for a marriage sermon series. Yesterday, my wife and I settled 50, 54 years of marriage. I, I got to go. I got short time. I got a lot of comments about Miss Robin and her sainthood. <laughs> what can make it better, Eckerts? What, what could enhance it? I'm sure there are things that come to mind, but you know, what, if we didn't have financial troubles, man, our marriage would be better. If we didn't have health problems, our, our marriage could be better. If, if we had a better job, our marriage could be better. If we had a better house, our marriage would be better. If, if, if we had more time together, if we could communicate better. If, if, you know, what are things that come to your mind? Like, sometimes when we think about things that come to our mind that make our things better, we see them as impossibilities. And instantly we think of why the better can't happen. What are some things that could make your life, your marriage better? If I had a better car, if, if, if we had more time off, if... Come on, church. What's the thing staring you in the face, telling you this morning that your marriage can never be the max of what you want it to be? You see, oftentimes when we're struggling or when we're discouraged or we're in a crisis and we're fighting, we see the thing that could make things better as the impossible obstacle that cannot be overcome. And the thing God means for hope becomes something to us that represents why we're in the shape we are. 
Even if your marriage was made in heaven, it must be maintained on earth. Now, you people better not forget that. Even if your marriage was made in heaven, it must be maintained on earth. You meet these newlyweds? Like, it was a marriage made in heaven. They're perfect. They are, everything's good. You know what I'm saying? I mean, Amy still sees Colton walking in slow motion across the beach. She still sees... Amy. (laughs) Trying to help you out, Colton. You're welcome. But that doesn't mean there isn't maintenance that needs to be made. And that doesn't mean that I'm not the one responsible for the maintenance. Come on, somebody. Do you know how many times people come into my office and say, they're the problem? My spouse has an issue. If they change, I'll change. Do you know how many people come to my office and say all those things? You know what they're saying to me? I am not taking responsibility. What's the part we don't often want in marriage? Maintenance, work, responsibility. We want marriage without effort. Listen, that's called a mirage. And any time a mirage meets reality, you know what you have? A mouthful of sand. Some of y'all are going to X that. Formerly known as tweet. The second most important tool is honor. Everybody say it with me, honor. honor. You see, it's a difficult tool to use, and I believe it's a more difficult tool to master. And so I, this week, since last week I gave you an amazing definition from the Webster's Dictionary, I thought I'd up it this week, and I'd pull out a definition from P.D.'s Dictionary. Let me show you how P.D.'s Dictionary defines honor. It defines it as what is said and done that demonstrates value and worth of something. What is said and done that demonstrates the value of the worth of something. Honor. Some things have great honor in your life. And what you say and do demonstrates the value. Some things don't have a lot of honor in your life. And what you say and do demonstrates the value. In other words, the value that thing has, the responsibility of it, of that honor comes from you. It carries the honor you give it. It, it, Honor comes from the bestower. Now, with that as my working definition, that means that I'm responsible for the honor that Lisa carries. 
I'm responsible for the honor she carries. I'm also responsible for the dishonor. So how I honor Lisa has nothing to do whether she's worthy of it or not. Uh-oh. Because, see, your spouse is only going to carry the amount of honor you bestow on them. Somebody say amen. Boy, I know, I know, I know. listen, this is, there is no better, t- you know what my wife told me this week as we are praying over people who are, who are in struggling in incredible loss, who are struggling with life in general right now, who are struggling in these areas. You know what my wife told me? She said, you are going to start coming home. All those people you spend a lot of time with, when I'm all alone, ain't going to be here with me. I was like, yes, ma'am. Listen, I know the answer. I'm in the middle of a marriage sermon series too. I know the answer. Do you get it? A major part of honor is what? Respect. Oh, I know that's a dirty word in church too, right? But you, you must respect your spouse's opinion. You've got to your, respect your spouse's ideas, their feelings, their concerns, and their needs. But see, you can respect something without necessarily understanding or giving 100% agreement to you. The problem is, see, what we disagree with, we, get, we think that's permission to be disrespectful about. Right now, the the, uh, third-year students in the Bible college are learning how to minister to Muslims. It is an incredible class. And what we're learning is you can share the gospel with anyone that you give respect to. Just because you disagree doesn't mean you have to be disrespectful. And what we're learning is that people's hearts and lives are opened. Doors are open. Things that have been locked tight. Things that have been confused, misunderstood. Things that have made people enemies have all been dealt with simply by respect. Come on, church. I'm talking to husbands and wives right here. The deepest level of love is when you honor your spouse and so highly that you put their feelings and needs above your own. Husbands, let me tell you this. 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, as being heirs together to the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. See, gentlemen, you think I was messing with you last week when I told you the Bible says that if you dishonor and mistreat your wife, your prayers are hindered. So, New Testament scripture, gentlemen. Ladies. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33. Let the wife see that she... Now, every man in this room should have said the very next word. Come on. (laughs) Let every wife see that she respects her husband. (laughs) I got a phone call from a guy one time. I kid you not. He didn't say, hello, Pastor Don, my, this is so-and-so. He didn't say, how's your day going? He didn't say anything. He, I picked up the phone. I said, hello. And you know what he said to me? He said, you need to tell my wife she must respect me. 
I said, let me guess, you slept on the couch last night. That's a true story. He's like, I did sleep on the couch last night. How'd you know? Just a guess. I feel the prophetic anointing of the Lord coming over this phone call right now. Every time you praise your spouse, you're giving them the honor God commands. Watch this. What have you done this last week to demonstrate honor to your spouse? That might be hard to come up with. But if I asked it the other way, what have you done this week that demonstrated dishonor to you? That might not be so hard for you to come up with. Now, I'm not talking about what they did to you. I remember sitting with Pastor Rick when Lisa and I were rebuilding everything that we were doing all those years ago, over 30 years ago. And I remember, Pastor, I would just be barking, man. That woman God gave me. You know what he'd say to me? Won't you let God deal with her heart? Because, see, you're too interested in God dealing with her heart that you ain't got time to let God deal with yours. So how about when you and I are together, we don't talk about her. We talk about you. Everybody needs a pastor like that. What have you done this last week that demonstrates honor to your spouse? If you didn't do anything, don't be condemned by that. Be motivated for the week that's coming. Hello, somebody. Like, Pastor Don, I don't see anything in my spouse to honor. Pastor Don, I don't see anything in my spouse to honor. Can I give you a truth this morning? I'm going to hit you with a heavy right now. I'm telling you, you're not ready. Buckle your seatbelt. Hold on to your neighbor. You see in your spouse what you are looking for. It's called confirmation bias. If you don't believe me, go buy a car that you've never seen painted that color. And as soon as you stop at the first red light, every car you see is going to be that color. You see in your spouse what you're looking for. You're absolutely seeing. If you're looking for something to criticize, let me help you out this morning. I'm not a prophet. I'm a pastor. If you're looking for something to criticize, you will find it. You always leave your shoes in the floor. You never take the garbage out. You never wash the dishes. Do you know those, those statements are not true? It is not a true statement. I do not always leave my shoes in the floor. She just notices every time I do. <laughs> I don't always not put a garbage bag back in the garbage can after she told me the tenth time to take the garbage out. Sometimes I put a garbage bag back in there, but I don't always not. You know what I did, gentlemen? I tried to fix this problem because this was an issue for us. I'd take the garbage out, and, and, and she'd be like, why? She'd have a handful of garbage, and she'd be like, oh, my gosh, she didn't put a bag back in it, right? Like, what am I supposed to do with this now? she got to lay this garbage down and put a job I didn't finish, and I would hear about it. Amen? Amen. So you know what I did? She bought a big old box of, of, of garbage bags. You know how they come in the cardboard boxes or whatever? One day we had had this little... Um, 
intense fellowship over me not putting, hello somebody. I went out into the garage and I grabbed that box and I took, I tore the box open. I took that big old roll of garbage bags. You know what I did? I put it right in the very bottom of the garbage can. So every time I took a garbage bag out, I had to stare at that thing and go, I should probably put that back in there. And you know what? It fixed the problem. It's brilliant. It was Holy Ghost inspired. You're welcome. You're like, well, what if the garbage bags smell like garbage? So you can't help some people. You just can't. You just can't help some people. If you're looking for something to praise in your spouse, let me be a prophet again this morning. You will find it. You find what you're looking for. You will always find what you're looking for. You need to say amen or oh me and just get over it and write it down. Accept it as truth even though right now you're mad at me. How much are you going to give me for this bottle of sand? How much? You, it's a bottle of sand. How much are you going to give me for it? Come on, Eddie, you give me $2 for this? You give me $2 for this? Gee, I need five. You give me five? You will? What are you going to do with it? It's just a bottle of sand. What if I told you that the sand that's in this bottle was collected from St. Paul's Beach in Malta, the very beach Paul was shipwrecked on, the very beach that Paul walked on, so the sand in this bottle could have touched the Apostle Paul's. Someone gave me this as a gift. How much did you give me for this bottle? That is sand from St. Paul's Beach in Malta. Hello, somebody. Well, how, much, how much would you give me this, for this Bible? How much would you give me for this Bible? Come on. How much would you give me for this Bible? See, I'm, I'm telling you, if you're looking to be critical, you're going to find ways to be critical about this Bible. Can't read it. That's the Old and New Testament. Have you lost your mind? I literally carried this Bible in my back pocket. It is formed like the cheek of my butt. <laughs> I carried this Bible in my back pocket for over 10 years. It's a leather Bible. I read this Bible every day at my lunch break. Every day. It's a King James Version. Because the man who gave it to me, the man who gave it to me. Was the man who discipled me. The man who led me to the Lord in 1992. The man who taught me to read the scripture. The man who taught me to read a 1611 King James Bible. The man who gave me his life and discipleship for well over six years. 
the man who gave me my love for the church, the man who helped transform my marriage and watched God do a miracle so that we kept our, 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 our family and our faith, the man who I think the fruit of Firm Foundation Ministries hangs on his tree. How much did you give me for this Bible? Let me help you out. It's not for sale. You can't afford it. It's too little. Can't read it anyway. You see, you will look for what you find. You will find for what you look. How much would you give me for this mason? You can't have it. How much, how much for this baseball? Let me make sure. When this baseball was made, it was probably made for 50 cent. How much would you give me for this baseball? You see, right now, when I tell you that this baseball was signed by Lou Whitaker, that's a great point. Because there are some in the room who go, whoa. And there are some in the room and go, no big deal. Lou Whitaker, hand signed. Y'all Google it. That baseball. How much you give me for this baseball? How much would you give me for this baseball? This baseball has several signatures on it. One most intriguing would believe would be the. MVP of the 2016 World Series, Ben Zoberst. How much did you give me for this baseball? Hand signed by the 2016 World Series MVP. Let, let me just ask. Let me just ask the question. Kobe, uh, Kobe, is it for sale? It's not for sale. Some of you could care less. Not Kobe. You see, the signature on those baseballs, the fact that the Apostle Paul walked on the beach where this sand came from. The fact that a man of God who most people will probably know his name, not know his name, not only gave me this Bible, but... Look here. See, y'all think I've been playing with you about my reading schedule. I've been reading the same reading schedule since 1992. I'm not kidding when I say a man changed my life by teaching me how to read the Word of God. Rick Sarver, 
Some of you know him, some of you don't. You can't have it. What's the value? And why does it change when someone puts their signature on it? My wife signed these. What's the value when someone's presence has changed something? Now, let me help you out, church, because we're talking about honor. Your spouse, the one sometimes you can look at and not see much worth and value in, your spouse, the one you can be aggravated with, your spouse, the one that some, sometimes you could do away with and wish you had something better, your spouse is literally autographed by God and given to you. That changes everything. That changes everything, church. you got to understand something. They have a personality. They have a temperament. They have a strength. And they have weaknesses that God created inside of them. And to dishonor or dis- dis- degrade your spouse is to dishonor and degrade God who made them. To honor your spouse and to, uh, is to honor God who created them. Listen, you find what you're looking for both in honor and in criticism. It's easy to get into fault-finding mode, but it's hard to get out of it. And one way to quit fault-finding with your spouse is every time you think of something for which you should praise them, you should write it down on a piece of paper. Y'all not helping me. Oh, that's work, Pastor Don. Good grief. I'm going to call this the honor list. I'm going to call this the honor list. And once a week, I want you to break out your honor list, sit your spouse down across the table over a cup of coffee, over, over a cup of tea, whatever it is you drink, whatever, maybe not alcohol, but anyway. And I want you to look them in the eye and read your list to them. Without thought of benefit, without thought of anything else. Just sit them down and look them in the eye and say, I want to honor you. Watch your marriage take on a new environment. Oh, y'all not helping me. See, the longer the list becomes, the more you'll move towards maximizing your marriage. You see, honor is what recharges your spouse's emotional batteries. Some of you guys pick on me because, you know, I got Ryobi tools. Whatever. I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm cheap, okay? And they work for me. I'm not a contractor. I'm, I'm a preacher. But those batteries have got to be recharged. They, they have to be recharged. It's a, it's a, it's a thought. It doesn't matter what, what happens. They have to be recharged, right? Listen, emotions are kind of like a car battery. I'm going to help you all out right now. You're not even ready. I'm going to help you out. Every time you start your car, a little bit of that energy is drained out of that battery. But you have something in that car called an alternator. 
And that alternator puts that juice right back into that battery. You see, what happens is stress and responsibilities, problems, frustrations, hurts, schedules that drain your spouse of life need to be recharged. What is it right now that could make your marriage better, that could enhance your marriage that you actually see as the obstacle of why it can't be better? My spouse's batteries are dead. If you don't charge your spouse's battery, someone else will. Do you know why I have to deal with water cooler issues at work? It's the most dangerous place at work. Stay away from that place. You go to the water cooler and you're mad at your spouse and someone comes up and says, wow, you know, I like your cologne today. It smells great. She didn't, she didn't notice when I left. You go to the water cooler and, boy, did you get your hair cut? It looks great this week. My husband didn't notice. That's a devil. You got to look beyond people and see what's actually happening. You see what I'm telling you? You know how many times i got to sit with people because those silly, stupid conversations happen and all of a sudden somebody whose batteries were on empty found a place to get them charged yeah. and had nothing to do with whether they loved or, or didn't love their spouse. It's that they were strongly attracted to the thing that began to recharge them. Your spouse has a voltage meter. Somebody say Amen. And it's similar to your car. You're not going to like this, but I'm going to say it out loud. Because if I say it now, I don't have to say it to you in my office. Your spouse's voltage meter is like, it's, it's like a light on the dash of your car. It'll let you know when the battery's low. But see, keep in mind that we usually call those lights idiot lights. Because by the time they come on, it's often too late. And the lesson is we should have been paying attention earlier. And there's a whole lot of spouses listening to this message right now whose lights are lit up. (laughs) Gentlemen, I, I, I could hello somebody. I have come home, and I have looked my wife right in the face, and there was a light on. It was an idiot light. She wasn't an idiot. I was. I was going to own it. I changed oil when I was supposed to. I charged battery when I was supposed to, and all of a sudden, there's a light on. What am I going to do now? You can just look at your spouse's face. You can read their emotion level. That, my friend, is a real-life marriage idiot light. It has nothing to do with honor. And neglecting that has everything to do with dishonor. You can easily see warning lights of an emotional battery that needs recharging. Come on. The key's not waiting till the light comes on. 
to charge the battery. The key is every day finding ways to honor your spouse. Indications of a fully charged battery. Happiness and appreciation. Remember, happiness is not a virtue. It's a result of right decisions. And when you see people who you say are happy, I wonder if you could also measure that by saying, watching how often they honor each other. Nothing can change your spouse's emotional battery like honor. What can you do to improve this area beginning today? Two of the most important tools to maximizing your marriage are commitment and honor. There's two more I want to discuss in the next few weeks. But let me say this to us as we come to an end here. And I'm going to close with a story. Your spouse will only carry the amount of honor you bestow on them. And let me tell you why that's important. Because they are autographed by God and given to you. And there's other people in this world who would see no value in that at all. But man, when God gives you a gift and he signs his name to it. Do you know that I have a Bible in my office signed by Ted Nugent? Some of my friends and my kids and family gave me a wild hog hunting trip with Ted Nugent a few years ago. Went and spent the weekend with Ted. You need to be ready. You need to be ready. to. If you're going to spend a weekend with Ted, you need to be ready. We hunted all day Friday with Ted and we took our pigs and all day Saturday, 14 hunters from all over this country sat around his hunting camp and his campfire and talked to Ted. Listen to him tell stories. He was, he had his guitar there, and some of the guys had said, You can't, if he starts singing and gets his guitar out, you can't record. Matter of fact, you, you can't really take any video because we don't want to deal with PETA and hunting stuff. So, 14 men sitting around a campfire with their wives. My wife was there also. Of all the songs that Ted Nugent could sing for us, you know what song he picked to sing? Private concert, one song. Now, you might not like Ted Nugent. That's not my point. You know what song Ted Nugent sang for us? He sang for us a song about a man who had transformed his life. He sang for us a song about a man who gave him a love for the great outdoors. He sang for us a song that he wrote about this man because he said to us, in all my years of rock and roll, I never did drugs, I never drank. He said, I loved music and I wanted to bow hunt. Why would I do anything that would jeopardize those two things? He said, I had a woman problem and I had to deal with that. And he did. Hello, somebody. (laughs) He picked up his guitar and he began to sing to us a song about discipleship. Listen to it. 
And on the way home, I was wrecked. I was wrecked by this. And I said, I could care less about the song. I, look what he did. He could sing one song for anybody, private concert. You know what he did? He sang a song about discipleship. It works. It's important. It transforms our lives. Fred Bear discipled him in hunting and bow hunting. He sang Red Bear. And he told us the story about how Fred Bear changed his life from a little boy. Unbelievable. Honor. Watch this. Back in the day, stand with me. Back in the day, when we only had one service, and my office was over here in the corner of uh, the foyer. One Sunday morning, <laughs> during Sunday school hour, I'm, I'm just going over my notes. We already had our elders huddle and Sunday school's going over. And one last time, like I always do, I just go, all right, God, what, what else? What else? What else? And I'm private. I'm all alone in my office. And I'm just me and the Lord in my notes. And I'm just, I'm like, all right, Lord, what else? What else? And boy, the door of my office just flew open. Boom. And my little bitty wife has got a woman bigger than her by the hand, and she is dragging her into my office. She closes the door behind me, and she turns around and puts her finger in this lady's face. I didn't seen that finger before, except she was standing on, 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 on the couch so she could look me in the eye. She didn't have no couch to stand on. She was, and she said to that, she said, young lady, you just dishonored your husband in public. And she said, I will not have it. I was like, hey, what's going on here? And she looked at me and she said, you shush. I'm dealing with her. And I was like, sorry about your luck. I'm, I was like, we can need to be a little more pastoral, sweetheart. And she was like, no, no, I'm dealing with this. And she said, everyone in that foyer, they don't know your husband. And they don't know the problems and the things that just happened. But what they do know now is that you planted a seed of bitterness in their heart towards him. She said, you can be angry with him, but you will never dishonor your husband in public again. And this day, she's crying, and I'm like, hey, can we just be pastoral? And she said, I'm dealing with this. This lady is crying, and my wife looked at her, and she grabbed her by both hands, and she says, I love you with all my heart. And I know it's tough right now. But dishonor never earns us the favor of God, especially in our marriage. And you can go home and box his ears if you want to. <laughs> but you're not allowed to dishonor him in public. And she said, I better not ever see that again. This young girl is now I'm bringing tissue and I don't, is it okay? Do I give her tissue or right, am I going to go meet Jesus too? I don't know. Like, And my wife says, now I'm going to pray with you. And when I get done praying, we're going to go in that sanctuary and we're going to worship Jesus. And God's going to fix it. And my wife began to pray for her and pray for her heart. And when they were done, she said, amen. And my wife embraced her and she says, now, you come and stand with me during worship. Come on. It was incredibly pastoral. 
See, there's a truth there that violates us because we know that dishonor leads to disdain. And when a marriage enters into disdain, Jesus or no Jesus, most of the time it's unrecoverable. And so the reason honor is so important is that you must realize that God has given you an incredible gift that he didn't give anybody else. Ted Nugent signed my Bible. And he looked at me and he said, now you and I are blood brothers in Christ. Now Jesus is working on his language, okay? But I got to have a spiritual conversation with Ted Nugent because I walked up to him and I said, I, he was signing some things and I had my Bible. And I said, I bet no one's ever asked you to sign a Bible. And he looked at me and he said, I don't believe I've ever signed a Bible. And he took my Bible and he wrote, you know, Nugent on it. Handed it back to me and then he said, give me that Bible back. So I gave it back to him and on the other page he drew his little stick man. You know, his symbol, uh, spirit of the wild. And he hands it back and he says, now as blood brothers in Christ, let's pray for each other. He said, will you pray for me? It's like, yeah, I'll pray for you. He said, I'll pray for you too, Pastor. Now, if you, don't, if you think, Bo was there. My wife was there. It's crazy. You see, that means nothing to a lot of people. That might even make some people mad, especially religious spirits. I don't care. I used a Bible and an autograph in order to say the name of Jesus to someone. And I guarantee you, he nor me will ever forget that moment. Honor. It's time to practice it in our marriages, church. Whether you are married now and you find it difficult, I promise, remember what Romans told us. You're responsible for who you are. You have responsibility. Give honor, especially when it's not due. Watch the environment change. Watch the environment change. Watch the environment change. Listen, if your marriage is good, right, why not? Listen, if you want to win, why not? Out, out, come on, out honor each other. What's happening here? What's happening here? What's happening here? Right? Watch honor change your marriage. Father, I'm going to pray right now for each and every one of us. Have your way, Jesus. Forgive us, Lord, for the times we thought that we had the right to walk in dishonor. That instead of giving honor, we dishonored a gift with a heavenly signature from the creator Father help us to take that gift now and place it in its spot to give it its honor its due and as you do that Lord I pray that the environment inside of marriages will change there are those among us Lord who would give everything they have in this world to have the opportunity to do that this moment and don't. I pray, God, that we don't take it for granted. That honor becomes who we are and how we live. That honor change our marriages, God. That it recharge our lives. That it be the thing that our batteries are hooked up to. Have your way, Lord. Have your way, Jesus. Have your way, Jesus. 
Come on to worship with us if you want to move out together as a couple. If you just want to embrace each other right where you're at. If you just want to make a fresh commitment from last week. A fresh commitment right now. To never allow dishonor in your marriage again. Right now in the presence of God. Let the healing power of the Lord flow. Because of your commitment to honor. Let the power of God's healing virtue come because of honor. Church, we've heard that there is no way through. Hallelujah! Come on, married people. We've heard the tide. This is the message the world sends to us. There's no way through. The tide's not gonna change. But they don't know what you can do. Come on. Church, sing a church. 